Disclaimer. The following episode features details of a graphic nature. Discretion is advised for sensitive and underage listeners. My name is Naomi Mwalel. I come from Maasai society. My parents are Maasai. My father, my mother, my grand, they all society are from Maasai land. And I like my culture and my tribe. But what I don't like is just some practices that are not good in my society. But if they, are, they have been eliminated, I will, lie, I will continue to love my culture because not only bad practices are there in my, my culture or my tribe, but there are some good things. I will be the one who will spread the gospel about it to stop female genital mutilation. As we know, it has many effects in our society and when you go around the hospitals you will see a lot of girls are from Maasai society who got many complications during delivery because of female genital mutilation. This season finale episode explores a topic very close to my heart. As a proud believer and follower of my own culture, I regard myself as an advocate for still following and practicing elements of what celebrates me and my community. In the same breath, as a woman, and moreover, as a mother to two daughters, I am aware of how some practices to date work and are inclined to the detriment of young girls and women. Similarly, it is also important to take note of the major strides happening with individuals and organizations who are at the forefront of being the solution to alternative rites of passage, a world where culture, traditions, and empowerment can coexist. My name is Masichaba Masimola Wamdag, and I invite you today in this finale episode to take a journey down memory lane, as well as raise important awareness and continued conversation to this important topic of the rights of young girls, women, rights to their bodies, well-being, and accessing opportunities. We're recording this episode outside in the elements in Tanzania, within the community, and at the foot of Mount Kilimanjaro. The following excerpt I'm about to read is taken from the World Visions News and Press Release, dated 11 October, and titled, African Girls Stand at Crossroads as the Practice of Female Genital Mutilation Deprives Them of Being Children. The Second International Conference on Female Genital Mutilation, FGM, is underway in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, from October 19 to 11, under the theme, Change in a Generation. World Vision commends the African Union and the government of the Republic of Tanzania for hosting this crucial event and also coincides with the International Day of the Girl. The conference aims to assess progress made in eliminating FGM in Africa, where 160 million women and girls have undergone the practice that is prevalent in parts of West, East, Central and Northern Africa. The urgency to end FGM has gained momentum with international, regional, national and local organisations, including youth and child activists, calling for an immediate elimination of this harmful practice. As Tenema from Sierra Leone reminisces, it's violence against children 
and no girls should go through FGM, particularly because it violates their rights and takes away their childhood. We have been enriched by a great lineup of guests on this podcast, speaking to various issues and topics impacting human rights. Like my conversation with Bobby Chagulanye in season two, and my conversation with Nice Lengete in season three. Allow me to take you down memory lane once more to reflect on their important contributions. We've linked these episodes in the show notes. Uganda is a unique country. We have 56 tribes. That means 56 and more cultures. So as an African, and as an African girl, you know when your parents raise you, they raise you in the confines of your culture. They teach you what your culture says. And so that's what you grow up knowing until you mix and mingle with everybody else at a certain age that you realize there are different ways each one of you has been brought up. So in this uniqueness, girls are brought up differently in our culture, in, in our different cultures in Uganda. We have those who do genital mutilation, that's a culture. You have those who believe in early marriages, that's a culture. You have those who believe in selecting a spouse for you, the girls, the, the spouses, that's a culture. We have a culture where the women fend and uh, look for the needs of the family while men stay home and drink, that's a culture. We have a culture where the women pay dowry to the men. <laughs> so, depending on which culture you're raised in Uganda, the experiences are different. You asked what my experience was. I just wanted to give you an overview of what it is. I remember it brings a lot of pain and injuries. You know, we've seen even other girls bleeding, bleeding to death. So it has a lot of consequences, not only on their health part, but also socially and economically. Because remember, their dreams are taken away. They can't continue going to school. They become women or they become uh, uh, brides when they are still children. They become mothers when they are still children. And uh, it means if you are not educating our girls, if you are not educating the community, we cannot have... Uh, um, we cannot have... Uh, uh, a society uh, that is well developed where I come from you know, we had cultures that way back we thought they were important but now it has changed though it has taken time because a lot of things that we really feel are important to us we, have, we, we keep on saying it's because of culture this is what culture says it's important to us it's our identity it's what makes us who we are that's why we are special and all that and uh, that's why also for us, in our work, we decided to have a cultural solution to end female genital mutilation because we know how important culture is. But we are simply saying a culture that has no meaning is what we need to stop. There have been several touch points which since this immersive journey began have left me deeply reflective. The podcast has largely been about raising awareness on important matters creating the environment for conversation, but also to mention and appreciate where important milestones to achieve the activism have weighed successful. 
The following piece is a personal story shared by Esther Joseph, previously a young girl, a victim of the cut at a young age, then a mother, followed by being a custodian of the practice of FGM in her community, to now being an example within the same community and having dropped the blade, saying no to the cut. Mama Esther's delivery is in Kiswahili and is simultaneously interpreted to English. It's story time. Three, two, one. My Esther Joseph. Nime anza shule mwaka semana moja, nikamaliza semana saba. Nikaolewa tisini na moja. My name is Esther Joseph. I was enrolled in school in 1981 to 1987. I've been a woman leader in our community, a church leader for 16 years, and I retired from the position a few years ago. At the moment, I was married while I was aware of myself. I started my family with no challenges because me and my husband, we loved each other. When I was a young girl, it was common for girls to go through female genital mutilation, FGM. It was not a bad thing. FGM was compulsory procedure. If the family was not doing it to their girls, they would be questioned by the community. That was our life. In the process, I also became, became a cutter. I did to girls. Keep in mind, this is a very painful process. However, I was able to get an income. To attend one girl, I will get 50,000 shillings and a certain part of meat when the animal is slaughtered for the celebrations. We continue with cut whilst the girl were reporting cases because school started to prohibit the practice. So we agreed to make the cut when they were very young with an excuse that they had a disease called Lawa Lawa. There was no such Lawa Lawa disease, but we were trying to reduce sexual activeness for the girls. We were lying to men that we were reducing sexual activeness for girls. Also, we were saying it was a rite of passage for girls, necessary for them to be considered adults in their community. I then got awareness through Kuyeko. The clan leaders, Leguianan, they were the first one to receive the training. Then we were selected and as women leaders women Liguiana to attend the session. When we were there, we were arguing f with facilitators, telling them it is impossible for us to leave our practice. We'll continue to do it because it does not have any harm. They continue to educate us and we realize the consequences of what we have been doing. When a girl is going through FGM, there is a complete removal of the clitoris. This increased complication during childbirth. Other girls have a lot of challenges on a strength to the part that was removed. They lack sexual pleasure. We then realize we have been removing this pattern necessarily. 
I was also made aware that we were marrying young girls. They became pregnant while they are children. And during childbirth, they are prone to fistula. I then realized we did, we were not fair to them. We are part of gender-based violence. The organization has been very helpful to us. Personally, I've seen the benefit that it has been valuable contribution. Personally, I've decided to be an activist against FGM since I got the awareness from Kuyeko. I'm against FGM. Even those who are trying to do it in a, in a disguise, they are hiding from me not to know. I'm also trying to be the, an educator and the mirror to the society. When I hear that someone is continuing with practice, I'm involving the gov village government and Kuyeko to eliminate FGM, also child pregnancy. I also realize currently they are facing GBV. Girls are forced to be married to husbands they do not want. A young girl is forced to be married to an old man of 70 years. The girls are crying for their right, but no one is listening to her. She's left to be going through the suffering. She's complaining of being married to an old man. No one is hearing her but asked to go. That is their new family. What I see is that we are losing young girls for not getting support. However, Kuyeko has been a support and now we are sure we will eliminate FGM in two years. I believe the percentage will be very low not as high as it is used to be. I have become a safe space for the community, especially for young girls. When they got an information that I have been working with Kuyeko and I'm fighting for those who are forced to be married and those that they, to those they do not want, so the girls are coming to me. Unfortunately, to some people, I have become their enemy. Some of the people in the community, they see me as a person that is influencing their girls to say no to the harmful practice. I'm thankful for the Kuyeko for coming to give us awareness and show us a way, open door for us and work together to assist the girl child. What an incredible story the often unsung heroines who are making all the difference. This can certainly not go unnoticed. Thank you, Mama Esther. Today, I am very excited to be joined in person by Elizabeth and Daniel, my guests here in Tanzania. Daniel, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Daniel Sifael from Siha District in Donyomura Ward. I am the chairman of the Justice Defense Committee in Donyomora Ward. Our duty is to educate the community of the effect of gender-based violence and teach the importance of the human right using usedom and using procedure of the relevant community to change them to abandon violence. Also, to cooperate with elders and other authorities to save the victims, to save the victim who are abused in the 
community. What we are continuing within the community at the moment is the provision of integral education that aim to open eyes of the community, especially women, for their rights. The goal is to ensure that we are reach further within the district of Siha, especially for those Maasai tribes because they are the victim of gender-based violence. Thank you so much, Daniel, and I can personally attest through the project that we are doing here within this district that you are doing incredible work. Thank you for being here. Betty, please do tell us about yourself. Hello and welcome to Kilimanjaro. I am Elizabeth Mushi, the Legal Human Rights and Gender Coordinator. Today I want to share with you my passion for the ambition of this FNF project that I am involved in. For past 12 years, I've been working at Kilimanjaro Women Information Exchange Community Organization. As I am a lawyer, my role has evolved into that being a facilitator due to extensive engagement with the various stakeholders. Kuieko, with its 35 years of experience, focuses on legal, human rights, and gender and economic empowerment for the marginalized groups, particulars, women, children, and other special groups. Since 2017, I've been working closely with FNF Project, undertaking numerous activities. Our commitment and confidence in protecting human rights and combating gender-based violence in Sia District have grown up. Currently, I'm leading the project titled Advancing Legal, Human Rights, Gender Equality, and Women's Economic Rights to Fight Sexual Abuse, Girls' Denial Education, and Women's Economic Poverty in Sia District at Kilimanjaro. That is quite a piece, Betty, and thank you to you too. Through the work and partnership with Kriyaka and FNA, we definitely look forward to this conversation today with the both of you. Thank you. Let's begin by speaking directly to context. Daniel, what would you say are the women's issues in the Maasai community of Kilimanjaro region in Tanzania? What are examples of some of these stories which have surfaced? Uh, Maasai women in Kilimanjaro region still face gender balance violence to a large extent. Though, there are a great role that is played by different organizations, different religions, the government, and also through making laws for those who violate women. There is still a very large percentage of women who are abused, and this is due to the procedure that has been placed in the society. For example, Maasai women are still facing a number of problems. They are not allowed to own the land, they do not have freedom to choose who will be their partners. They do not have freedom of speech in front of men. They can't argue what men agree in their family and the whole community. They are not allowed to be leaders in the society. These are some of that I'm trying to show on how this gender is suffering from. 
Speaking directly to these issues, how many of them would you say, Daniel, as we think about where the conversation is currently? Please take us through what your experience has been with working within these community and having these courageous conversations on the cut in this particular case. Let's talk about FGM. I would also like to bring in light the question of you being a male figure within the Maasai community. How has that impacted in your personal capacity and working on these issues in such a traditional society? Uh, generally, I'm, only, I'm not only a Maasai, Maasai man, but also I'm the father of one child and I'm playing a great role to provide the education and to just find for those who just practicing FGM and to educate them that there is, there is no any advantage for that. And not only advantage, it has a disadvantage to those who are cutting. Those small child, I'm telling them that it is not good to cut those child because they will get a lot of suffering to their life. So I'm trying to give them a lot of education about it that are the men of one child. And would you say with these conversations, especially to your male counterparts, are they receptive? Yes. They definitely do take it on. Elizabeth, considering what Daniel's response has been, one, speaking to what are the issues within the community and also around this creating the platform for having open discourse. If you were to temperature gauge the environment, specifically around, as I said, the awareness, the conversation, bringing an end to FGM, are the young girls and women in particular comfortable and safe speaking directly to these issues? It is very, very true. Now, currently, young girls and women are now capable and able to speak about the FGM in front of the community, in front of the clan leaders, in front of the children, in front of everywhere. Why are they comfortable and able to speak those issues related to FGM? It's because Kuyeko and FNF has capacitated them on how to protect their children from the FGM, has helped them to understand FGM is one of the violations that is strictly prohibited to our country. And even the laws stipulated that FGM is the, is the offense. That's why after we raise awareness on the consequences of FGM, people have now get aware and see that the FGM is really not something that is good. That's why they are now able to talk about the FGM and going against the FGM. They are ambassadors of talking about the FGM and those matters. Sounds very progressive, Betty. And it really does sound that the work already and the inroads which are being done are definitely building traction. And that is what we want to see is the change makers and the multipliers. And that's wonderful to see that happening through both of you and your work. I do want to take the conversation, speaking again uh, and sticking to the partnerships uh, through uh, FNF and the extensive work and engagement that you are doing in community. 
We appreciate what it takes to arrive at this point of work, garnering and acquiring the trust and respect specifically in a traditional society where you still have chieftaincies doing a lot of decision making and, and, and being really the leadership in community. Uh, we're talking elders and the various other stakeholders who are invested in the practice. How has the experience of the coordinated approaches now directly speaking to leadership, the chieftaincy and your organizations been? And I want to just touch base on the excerpt that we read from the international, regional and national collaborations around bringing an end to FGM. There is a story that made headlines in a Kenyan newspaper from Kajiado South County where they are reporting that girls now from, or young ladies and girls from Kajiado South region are now entering Tanzania into Kilimanjaro region to have the cut done because the fight is being won more within Kenya. But now it seems in Tanzania, it's taking a different course. Before we just start with the FGM, we had previous activities that we are doing till it leads us to the FGM issue. One of the things that we had, we created awareness to the children regarding to their rights and responsibilities. And one of the issues rose during the clubs, it was one of the children said, for, for us, you, you, you give us the training that we should, our parents should not doing for us FGM. But when we go back to the home, a lot of uh, the parents force us to do the FGM. And one of the debate was, the, regarding to the FGM. And when it comes to, it was raised up, one of the chats said that we really wish to talk to our clan leaders on the issues of FGM. So what we did, we had the training to the clan leaders. As we know that the, the Maasai, the clan leaders are the top leaders. And if they say something to the community, all of the community must obey what the clan leaders said. So we had the training to the clan leaders. We advocate and we give them the skills on how to stop the FGM. And the FGM is not a good thing in the community because it is against the law. And they, they really appreciate on that. After the training, we come up with a way forward that the Maasai contact at the clan leaders and they give out that they should not do it again. And when they, we go back to the community, we also create bylaws at the community level. Uh, and we had the bylaws from the four villages that we had the bylaws. And the response of the community was very positive and people stopping doing the FGM. But there are others who are doing it in a secret way. You find a, a baby is born like two days or five weeks. They are doing the FGM to them, but very secretly. Do you think you could speak to this incident, which has been reported, as I mentioned, around the traffic coming from Kenya into now Kilimanjaro region? Um, are the authorities here in Kilimanjaro region aware of some of these, as you say, backdoor FGM 
consultants, for lack of a better word, who still continue the practice, even though it is illegal, as you say. Yes, they are aware. They are aware. And that's why even with our government, they've tried their level best to keep some rules or some uh, some one-stop center. So anything that happened to FGM, people can go there and seeking for the help. That's why you might find each, like we are at high district, we have one-stop center. Anything that happened for the violation regarding and violation on FGM, on rape, on sodomy, and once you want to report, people comes to the one-stop center, and you might find there is a doctor, there is a social welfare, and there is a police officer who can assist you there. That's very much coordinated. The def- the interventions are there. Yes, uh, and of are. course, I think law enforcement does does do its work, of, and you know, human nature is what it is. Exactly, uh, it's commendable to see those interventions. And in addition place. to what you have asked me, we have uh, the the government has launched the national action plan against GBV, especially to women and children. At least it can. It's one of the semantic area that the government is trying to do so, so that the FGM can still reduce. That is one of the initiatives the government has done to the community. And very importantly, as we also enter a period which is recognized as 16 days of activism, so it's wonderful to see that as an initiative through the government and working directly uh, to the community. Thank you, Betty. Betty, take us through a day of activities at Kuyeko. Perhaps give our listeners a take of who Kuyeko is, where are they situated, and a day in the life of Betty at the office. The long term of Kuyeko is Kilimanjaro Women Information Exchange and Community Organization. Specifically, it's a legal aid organization. And we have 35 years currently doing legal aid to the community, especially the marginalized women and children. We are situated at Kilimanjaro, but we also work at Njombe and Mbea. The main objective of Kuyeko is the human rights respected. We have several programs that we are focused, and those programs are the ones which we use to work daily. First of all, Kuyeko has legal aid provision, as I said, but we have a program for awareness on human rights, gender issues, and different laws in the community. With that program, we used to raise awareness to the community, to the stakeholders, to the different beneficiaries, so that they can understand their rights. After understand their rights, they come to demand their rights in our office. We have also the um, Department for Legal Counseling and Mediation. After people raising awareness to the community, people comes and looking for the different ideas regarding to legal issues. And uh, we used to have the cases like matrimonial issues, cases like land, cases like probate. So once they come there, we listen them and we really advise them on how to do it. After we raise with the legal counseling, most of the women and children don't have money or don't have support or doesn't have uh, educating on how to draft the legal document. So we used to have also litigation department. We assist women on how to draft the legal document. And also we used to represent women to the court who are very marginalized and they are not aware of court issues. So we used to help them. 
And after that, we used to have a shelter house that is the safe house for the GBV survivors. As we know that with the project of FNF the, at Donyomuro, we managed on, it was last year, we managed to rescue four children. We rescued them from the early marriage and FGM. They were Maasai children and we took them to our shelter for some times and we called their parents. We assisted with the social welfare and we went to the gender desk. The case was held on to the court and finally we won the case and the children went back home and they are now safe from the early marriage and from the FGM. That's how Kuyeko's work and that's how I work with Kuyeko. Incredible work indeed. And um, one hopes that this can continue. And it's so wonderful to hear you even speak about the fact that you go to the gender desk, the social welfare department is involved. So definitely the coordination uh, in terms of all of these different agencies working together as this is an ongoing issue. So it's wonderful to see this and to hear it, um, that it is it is something that is is worked on together. Betty, still staying with you, there's a lot of work which you do at Kuyeko around leadership and access to education and opportunities. You mentioned earlier um, the Ngariba, which are the women who uh, do the practice of the cut. They are the cutters themselves. You mentioned that now, as you think about encouraging them to leave this one main income stream, because we do have to admit it is an income stream in some communities, and that you encourage them through your programs to look at other areas of interest that can generate income for them and skills. You spoke about entrepreneurship, and um, I would like to know, with entrepreneurship, what are the other programs that stand out, that make impressions, either on the victims or the cutters themselves? Okay, regarding to the Ngariba, as I told you, we had a training. And one of the issues that was rose from the training, it was... They said they cannot stop doing FGM because FGM, it, it gives them source of income. So we advocate them and we give them skills on how to stop FGM. And we started to, uh, to, to training them on how to keep their saving, doing the small business activities, uh, how to do the business plan, how to do the, the entrepreneurship. So all those skills they got, the Ngaribas, were from us. And after they see that the skills for entrepreneurship is something that is good, they, st- they went back to their home and start formulating economic groups. And we have like... From Donyamura, we have five groups, and each group contains 30 women. And those 30 women were the Garibas, but currently we don't call them Garibas, but we call them the influential women who are trying to, 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 to raise awareness to stop the FGM, and they engage themselves on the different activities so they can have the source of income from the legal sources rather than the FGM. Daniel, I would like to hear from you as we speak about someone who is a former Ngariba turned influencer within the community, as Betty fondly mentions. What has it been like working with incredible people such as Esther Joseph? And how has the partnership through both of you mutually been an asset 
to both your work and how you go about your work? First of all, they are they acting. She acting as the bridge between me and the young girls and the elders. I mean, mothers. This we are trying to take the secretly information about FGM that is continuing in the society, but for secret. This it take to us, and we just we just make a conference between me and her on how to educate those who are practicing to live with. And also, she acted as a bridge between me and those mothers who are cutting, that we call ngariba, that we, we can go with her to talk with ngaribas, that what is, what, what is the problem? You are continuing with this, and, uh, and you know that the government different organizations are prohibiting this. And this is not, we, we already know that this is not good to the society. So when we, we receive, we receive their problems, means economic, if it is economic problem, we decided to make another, another alternative way, just we give them education that on how we can go to the farm and how they, they go to buy some animals and do what and, and, and get what the breed means the breed what they can earn instead of goes to cut to cut those children and get something that he can get their daily bread so i'm proudly to work with this mother and i'm proudly that she is a bridge between me and the society as i as i am the human rights defender so I get a lot of things from her for those who are very, very secretly. And sometimes some of them, they don't like to, to discuss their issues public, in the public. Mm -hmm. So when I have Mama, Mama Esther and me as the chairman, we can go and talk with, with them on how they get problem. And also on how this one who, who violate her, if it is a children, a small, a small girls, or if it is a mother, and make them with a conference because they are sacred. But when we are, we are only four people, me, Mama Esther, and two of them, we can solve it easily. So I'm proud to be with Mama Esther as a bridge. And she certainly is a bridge. We were lucky enough to actually spend some time with her as a team. And um, it would be great to see even the day that all the Ngaribas come together to actually have their own activism, to all saying no to the cut. We, we definitely look forward to a time when that will happen. Daniel, I'd like to stay with you. In closing, I would like you please to share with us why this work is important to you. Um, every day for the whole year, for many years, you work on this very important issue in your community and you're very passionate about it. As you mentioned, you're also a father. What are the hopes that you want to see for this community? And what does freedom of right to self for young girls to make their own decisions around their own bodies and their future look like? Now we are going to challenge cultural norms and encouraging supportive system through Maasai leaders. Uh, the second one, 
it contributed to fostering a safer environment to individual. The third one, empowering victims to speak out and facilitating community-wide change to, toward gender equality. It opened dialogue with the community supporting in initiative that empower Maasai youth to combat gender violence and discrimination. The last one, encourage equal opportunity for both gender and challenging harmful stereotypes which are crucial steps toward creating more inclusive and equitable society. My hope is to create inclusive society that have gender equality through the provision of education to youth which are the backbone of the Maasai society and the ancestors, leaders and guardians of the coming generation. The second to make platform which help youth to meet and discuss their issues without anybody to interrupt them. Freedom to express oneself is crucial to youth in the community well-being. This because youth freely expression ideas without fear and enable collaborative problem solving. Promoting a culture of inclusivity. In this context, the right to self-expression should be respected, ensuring everyone has a voice in shaping the community future. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Betty, your thoughts, please. Your closing final remarks. By empowering girls with education and raising awareness about harmful consequences of FGM, we are breaking the barriers that hinder their development and ensuring that they have equal opportunities at the community. This work has been instrumental in creating a brighter future for girls where their rights are respected and protected. This project has provided us a remarkable opportunity to collaborate with the support youth who are the agents of change in their community. Their passion, dedication, and leadership have been instrumental in driving progress and creating lasting impact. Working alongside this, young community changes have been an inspiring and rewarding experience for our beliefs in the power of youth for the better world. And thank you so much to both of you for those very, very strong insights and sharing what your experiences are within the community. I think we commend both of you, uh, not just here through this interview, but I can assure you that through the listeners, um, they can have a sense of appreciation, uh, continuing this very important conversation and combating, arriving at a point where young girls and women have the right to self and that we do ultimately in the end end FGM. Thank you very much. Thank you. Some things that stood out for me in this episode are that everyone has a part to play. Listening to the clips from previous seasons and then having this conversation, it's so clear to me that we need survivors, local organizations, funding partners, lawyers, lawmakers, community members, men and women alike, as well as the custodians of the practice 
to come together to ultimately bring an end to FGM and child marriages. It's essential to remember that girls and young women in these communities have dreams like anyone else and do know what they want to do with their lives and so should have the freedom and agency to direct their destinies. And with that, I sign out. Thank you for letting me into your audio space. Thank you for being part of this journey. Together through our continent and frankly to talk human rights. My right, your right, our right. Humanity will and continues always to be for us all. It is up to all of us. But speaking up also is okay. And we want them to have that freedom, not only to make choices, but to speak up and say or tell the world what they want as girls. How do they want to be treated? What do they want? Uh, 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 how do they want to be supported? Because I think they are bold, beautiful, and they can always aspire to be anything they want to be. This has been the fifth and final episode, season four of Let's Talk Human Rights, the FNF Africa podcast exploring various human rights issues. I have certainly enjoyed your company on the airwaves. Please do continue to hit the subscribe button in order to enjoy the library of episodes from season one to four. The Friedrich Naumann Foundation Sub-Sahara Africa, FNF, is an independent German organization that is committed to promoting liberal ideals and politics in Africa, such as human rights, the rule of law, democracy, innovation, digitization, and free trade. By conducting campaigns, media events, seminars, workshops, study tours, cultural happenings, and training courses, the foundation promotes human rights, including freedom of expression, freedom of the press, children's rights, and LGBTQIA plus rights, and engages against violence targeting women and capital punishment. If you are interested in our activities, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Simply check for Friedrich Naumann Foundation Africa. The links are in the show notes.